0: The following message was recorded live at Three Strands Church. We hope it will bless you, encourage you, and challenge you in your journey of faith. We'd love to pray for you or answer any questions you have. You can message us at threestrands.church contact. I was going into my junior year of college, and I was excited because this was going to also be my last year. I was going to be graduating this same year. But I was also going into this year single and ready to mingle. And I had dated a couple of girls in the past up until this point uh, in college. But honestly, I was just like asking God, I was like, I need to find that one girl that I can spend the rest of my life with. I was praying about that as I was going into this final year of college and a couple weeks later, my roommate came up to me, and he's like, hey, I met some of these girls in my class, and I was like, I was like oh, that's awesome. He's like, and we're going to go get ice cream with them. I was like, okay, let's do it. So we head over to the girls' dorm, and, and, and we meet uh, all these girls in the lobby, typically. So we, we got over there, and we waited for them to come down. And as they came down, Emma walked through the door, and I said, wow, she's hot holy cow, that girl's out of my league. But I was like, hopefully she's single. Hopefully she's single. But I had to play it cool. I was like, hey, I'm Brad. What's up? Uh, but you know, I, I had to play that off. And uh, we decided all the guys were going to ride with the guys and girls with the girls. So we, we all got in our cars and headed towards the ice cream place. Once we got there, we sat around a big table and started getting to know each other and it was going good. I tried to sit as close as I could to Emma so that way I could get to know her. And it was going so well until the door flung open to the ice cream place and my ex walked out of the door. And she came directly up to our table and said, Hey, Brad, are we all still riding to church together tomorrow? because that's what we did at our university. I was like, great, Emma's gonna think that I'm still dating this girl. And I asked Emma later, and she, she did actually think that was still my girlfriend at that point, so uh, that didn't go great, but I was just trying to, like, finish that conversation, get her all out of here, so that way I can get back to knowing Emma. So uh, eventually that wrapped up, and I, I continued to talk to Emma, and it went well, and, it, and then eventually my friend got up and uh, went to the bathroom and, like, sat by one of my other friends, so that way that seat opened up next to me, and Emma actually got up and sat right next to me and it was wonderful and we started talking it was going great we went back to campus after the ice cream place continued to talk and just get to know each other and it was going wonderful and I found out later she she had asked my roommate to get my contact information so that night we started like getting to know each other over our phones and and eventually we decided to start talking We started that talking stage of getting to know each other and seeing where this could lead. Today, I want to talk about modern dating, and I want to look at how we can implement God's principles into modern dating. See, we have to understand that the Bible does not talk about dating in any way. It talks about singleness, and it talks about marriage. And we have to understand that moving forward. So dating is a newer concept that was created only a couple hundred years ago. And we are able as a church to come alongside this idea of dating and implement God's word into it. Because that is what culture is used to. And we need to as a church to do this. And uh, we just wrapped up this series with our students. It's called Outdated. It's by a, a pastor in Texas called J.P. Paducah. And he was, uh, he wrote this book just on modern dating and implementing God's uh, principles into it. It's an incredible book, and I- I'm going to pull as much as I can out of here today so that way I can share it with you. But whatever I don't cover, I encourage you to strongly read this book after this sermon today. It's incredible. It has so much good information. In it, But today, I want to cover as much as we can. And first, if you're married, or, or I want you to like, stay in tune with the sermon today. You may be like, oh, I'm already through this. Yes, but you may have kids who are growing up and who will date, or you may have friends around you. But there's also principles that you can implement into your marriage as well. So I encourage you to stay in tune. But today, who, what do we do when we're single? Who do we date? And finally, how do we maintain a relationship when we're in a relationship? But first, what do we do if we're single? See, culture views singleness as a bad thing. Culture says, hey, if you're single, then you need to lay in your bed and wait for somebody to knock on your door and come swoop you away. Because you are no benefit to society if you are single. That's what culture says. And the church doesn't always do a great job of even helping this idea. Sometimes they, they even make singleness like a, a minority or something that's looked down upon in the church. We don't do a good job of looking at singleness in the church. And culture especially doesn't. It tear, culture tears you down if you're single. But let's look together at what God's Word says about singleness. And before we do, two of the most influential people in Scripture, in the New Testament, Paul and Jesus, were both single. So we have to realize that as we dive into the text, that two of the most influential people that we read about in Scripture are single. All right, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. And this says, But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. And this is Paul talking. He said, listen, I wish everybody were single, just as I am. He wishes that for everybody. And the reason for that is because he is able to maintain and strive towards Jesus with no distraction of a family. He has the, and, and he even refers to it as a gift. He's saying, hey, I have so much time to spend with the Lord. It's a gift. And now some, some of you sitting there may be single and you're saying, trust me, it's not a gift. I don't want it. I don't want it. I hope it's not terminal. Like I want to get rid of this gift. And so many of us that like during Christmas and, and and our birthday, we may have gotten a gift that's like brand new and we open it and we realize, ah, I don't I don't really want that. No, 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 thank you. I'm gonna I'm going to act like I love it, then I'm going to give it to goodwill. And like for me, I like to go to like Goodwill and look for those newer items that people just got rid of that saw no value in it. And I like to buy it and sell it to somebody who does think there's value in it. But we need to understand there is a value in the gift of singleness. Even, we all start out single. We all do. So in this moment, as we grow up, we get to choose to use the gift Or we get to choose to throw it away and listen to what culture says about singleness and give it away and lay in our bed and let culture win. So we have to decide, am I going to choose to use the gift? Now, what is using the gift look like? That involves you as you grow up and you start out single, you build a firm foundation with Jesus. You build that, you grow together, you and Jesus, understanding who he is and understanding what his plan is for you. And that's why Paul's saying it's a gift because you have time and you have the ability to do it. And yet so many of us choose to listen to culture instead and just give it away and waste that time. So, but, but some of us, As we are single, we grow up, we may not desire to be in a relationship. There's some of us, and I know some people who don't actually even desire a relationship. And Paul talks about this as well. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. And that says, "I I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. And so Paul is saying, listen, if you desire singleness, if you desire to be single for the rest of your life, then you will be able to do God's work whenever you want. Because you don't have the responsibility of a spouse, and you don't have the responsibility of children, you can get up and just go. You have nothing holding you down, and you can... Be in tune with what God wants you to do, and you can do it. See, in verse 33, Paul is saying, listen, it's not bad that you're married. If you choose to be married, if you desire a relationship, that's okay. That's okay if you desire one. You just have different responsibilities, not worse responsibilities, different. The different responsibilities is raising your spouse up spiritually, raising your kids up spiritually. And that takes different skills and different mindsets and different amounts of time. So you have to understand if you desire to be in a relationship, it looks different than if you desire to be single for the rest of your life. It's okay to be single if you desire it. And if you don't desire it, God may have a plan for you to have that special somebody one day. But what do we do while that special somebody? If we desire a relationship, what do we do? In the meantime, we use the gift of singleness and we grow that relationship with Jesus so that, you may have heard this before, you become the person that you're looking for. So you need to prepare yourself. If you're saying, oh, I just want that really, really cute guy who loves the Lord. Like if you want that, but you barely open your Bible and you have no relationship with Jesus, then how can you expect something that you don't even match? So we have to be very conscious. We got to use that time of singleness to build the relationship with Jesus. And then if we choose to desire to be single for the rest of our life, we have to be excited and ready to go because God is going to lead you to the ends of the earth, spreading the gospel in every way possible. But if we desire a relationship, who do we date? We're going to look at three different ideas of who we date based on God's word. And culture says, get ready, whoever you want. That's what culture says, whoever you want to date, date them. But here's what scripture says. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And so we, what we see here is Paul is saying, listen, if you choose to follow Jesus, then you should not date an unbeliever. You should not date somebody who does not believe in Jesus. It's pretty bold, but it's so true. And David's used this illustration before of a a believer standing on a chair and an unbeliever who's in the relationship standing on the ground and they're pulling at each other. Now, the person on the ground has the ability, has the leverage to pull that person off. And trust me, I've worked with so many different people who come to me and say, hey, I'm going to fix this person. So that way they know Jesus. I'm going to work on them because they're so attractive. So I just really want to get with them. So I'm going to share the gospel with them. And then I'm going to fix them. And then we can date. And then we can have a a long, happy relationship. But what typically happens is five months down the road, that same believer comes to me spiritually drained. Because what happens is when an unbeliever gets into a relationship, they are focused on themselves. It is a selfish relationship. They may act like they are caring for you in that first couple months. But at the end of it, at the end of the day, what they truly care about is themselves and what makes them happy. And that's why you wonder when two unbelievers, two people get together and it typically does not work. Because they're both approaching the relationship in a selfish manner. And so what you have to understand is, as Paul is saying, listen, if you follow Jesus, you need to find somebody who is also following Jesus. Because that unbeliever is going to drain that believer. Because they're pouring so much time and effort into sharing the gospel with them that they aren't even able to go out to anybody else. They're trying to fix this person just to make them happy. And we could even argue that's a selfish reason. So we have to date somebody who believes in Jesus. Second, culture and movies really they do, a, they do an idea of, hey, you need to find the most attractive person to date. If you find the most attractive person to date or, or somebody even outside of your league, you need to go after them because that is a priority. And if you think about it, most like romantic movies that you watch, it's built on attractiveness. Like the, the, we only see two hours of their lives. And it's built on one person being attracted to the other. And then it goes through a couple hours of what they, how they get together. And eventually, we think they just live happily ever after. And they stay attractive. According to the movie, they stay attractive forever as well. And so culture says you need to find somebody very attractive and build your relationship on that. But let's see what Scripture says about that. Turn with me to Proverbs uh, chapter 31, verse 30. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And we can add men into that too. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. So that means for everybody in this room, every day that our beauty, our charm is flying out the door. We have longer than just a two-hour movie. We are not going to stay the way we look today in 20 years. It will change. And so the idea that culture says it's like you need to find somebody attractive and date them because of that is just not a good one. See, it, it can be a bonus. I don't want to tell you like, hey, you can still be attracted to, To your spouse, of course, or to your girlfriend, boyfriend. You can be attracted to them, yes, but it is just a bonus. If the relationship is built on attractiveness, then it will fail because one day you will wake up and not even recognize the person next to you because their body has changed and typically when that happens when two unbelievers get together and they they realize that the other person doesn't look the way they should have when they started dating then they end it then it's over and that's why if we choose to follow Jesus we cannot afford to build our relationship on track, on attractiveness according to scripture it's not wise right? And instead, instead of attractiveness, what do we do? We focus on the inward. We focus on their heart, what they truly care about. If they truly care about family, friends, you, what they truly care about. The inward rather than the outward. The attractiveness is the bonus. Who do we date? We date somebody who believes in Jesus. And who do we date? We date somebody based on the inward rather than the outward, and then finally, who do we date? We date somebody who understands what love truly is. Now, some of us in this room may be like, oh, I know what love is. But we, we're going to dive into what Scripture says. That love truly is. But I want to talk about culture tells us that love is feelings. That means, like, hey, if you feel in love, doesn't matter if like what they do on the side or 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 how attractive they are, if we feel in love, nothing can get in our way of having a successful relationship. Love is feeling. That's what culture says. But then we, I hear about so many different stories of people just falling out of love. Uh, one day they wake up and, and they look at the person. And, and Or one day at school they're like walking down the hallway and they realize, ah, I just don't feel like I love them anymore. I don't feel like we're meant to be anymore. Or the other person on the flip side, they, they, they approach you and they say, ah, I just don't feel like I have the love anymore. I feel like... It's not working out. But that's not what love is. If we think love is a feeling, then culture has fooled us. And I don't want us to be fooled. So jump with me to 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. That's 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. That says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins so you got to understand here what love is is showing action God sent his only son to die in place of us for our sins so that way they could be forgiven that is love God sent so God took action to show his love for us so if we represent that that means love is action not feeling. That means for you guys, for in a dating relationship, even though you don't feel in love with that person anymore, even though you don't feel like it anymore, you still carry their books in the hallway because you truly do care and you truly can still show action that you love the other person without feeling it. And this even transfers into marriage as well. Not every day that you wake up, you're going to feel like loving the other person, but you can still get up and still do the dishes. You can still get up and still clean the house or take care of the kids. Love is action. If you base your relationship on love being feeling, then you or the other person eventually won't feel that love and you will see no point on continuing the relationship. That's why it's so critical that before we even start a relationship, we understand, do they know who Jesus is? Do they truly, do, are we looking at the inward rather than the outward? And are they looking in the inward rather than the outward? And they, do they truly know what love means? We have to realize that before we even jump into a relationship. Now, this isn't this isn't like a in the Bible anywhere or, or or an idea, but this is an idea I heard. And is if you start talking to somebody and the first hour you're talking to them for the very first time in a serious way, and Jesus is never brought up, then that should be a red flag. If Jesus is not brought up in the first hour of conversation, then that should be a big red flag. You're like, wait, 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 what about an hour and five minutes? You get the point. You get the point. If, it's, if he's brought up, it's the important thing. Is Jesus brought up in the first couple weeks? Especially if Jesus isn't brought up in the first two weeks of you talking then number one, I would be concerned where your faith lies, and then I would be very concerned about where their faith lies. And I definitely would strive away from moving forward with that relationship. We have to realize who we date. We have to realize what principles God's Word is giving us to help us not make a decision that we're going to regret five months down the road. Scripture's pretty clear on that. So it's our choice to either implement this before we start dating or to throw it away and just do what culture tells us to do. And finally we're going to look at three ideas of how to maintain a relationship. Now, we understand what we do when we're single. We build a relationship with Jesus. And then who do we date? We understand we need to look for somebody who's striving towards God. We need to look on the inward rather than the outward. And we look for somebody who understands what love is. Once we think we have found that person and we choose to move forward with a relationship, then what are three ideas that we're going to implement to maintain that relationship to get to reach to marry, to reach marriage. What are three ideas? The first one is creating physical and emotional boundaries right at the beginning. Right when you start dating, you need to have a serious conversation about what your physical boundaries are and what your emotional boundaries are. Because here's what culture says. Culture says, once you start dating, you need to have as much sex as you can, and then you need to get a house together, and then you need to combine your finances so it's easier for you to live together. And then if it doesn't work out, then you're not married, so it's okay. You can just head on out. That's what culture says. But let's look at what Scripture says uh, in uh, Ephesians, or I apologize, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And that says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So right here, Paul is saying, we need to flee from sexual temptation. It is a sin to have sex before marriage. Again, the Bible talks about singleness and marriage. God created sex and God created marriage, but He created sex in the confines of marriage. So when we disobey what He says, it is sin. And so that's why Paul is saying, you need to flee from sexual temptation. And this is so critical because sin has consequences. And we have to understand that. Even if you feel like you're getting away with it, it has consequences. They may not be physical consequences right in front of your face, but emotional, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you have to realize that Paul is giving us this warning of saying, hey, right when you start dating, you need to create boundaries so that way you don't fall in to sexual temptation. And trust me, when you move in with somebody that you find very attractive and that you want a relationship with, and you tell me at lunch that it we're not doing anything sexually we don't even look at each, at each other it's hard for me to believe that because according to scripture you're not fleeing away from it in fact you're moving in with it so my question is like why are you doing that and it's because culture is telling you it's a good idea and scripture is telling you it's a mistake so we have to decide are we going to choose to follow Jesus Are we going to choose to follow the world? An emotional boundary. So many of us don't even think about this when we start dating. Is Sometimes when we first get to know the person in the first couple weeks, we just dump our whole lives on the other person. And this is dangerous to do so because if we dump everything that we, has happened in the past onto this person and they may dump it right back on you about what happened in their past, your foundation of your relationship can then be, be built on trauma, can then be built on what's happened in the past or things that aren't important rather than building your foundation of your relationship on Jesus. So we have to create emotional boundaries. And this includes getting with some people around you, some wiser people, some older people around you and talking to them and saying, hey, how much should I share with them? When should I share this with them? And, and do I even need to share this with them? That's, that's moving forward in a wise way. Creating emotional boundaries. And flipping back over to physical boundaries. Talking with somebody about like how, how can I avoid this? How can I avoid falling into sexual temptation? Setting the bar so far away that even if you mess up, you're not even sinning yet. We have to realize that we can't afford it. We can't afford to sin. If we choose to follow Jesus. And we want to have a Christ-centered relationship. But second, how do we maintain a relationship to reach the point of marriage? And married people, I want you to really pay attention here because this is a principle that you can really implement into your marriage as well. And especially if you're dating, this is critical because though, I've had people come up to me and say, no, we're perfect. We're never going to fight. I love him so much. I would never argue with him. I'm like, no you're wrong. That's so wrong. That's so wrong. You are going to fight with one another. You're going to fight with one another. And if you kid yourself, then you're wrong. So here's the thing. What do we do when we fight? We fight fair. We fight fair. What that means is if we know moving forward that we're going to argue with one another, then we're going to set some rules. And those rules are going to be, we are going to resolve this argument by the end of it. Because if you go into an argument thinking that you're going to win, then you've already lost. Because to get to that win means tearing down your girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse. That's what it means. It means tearing them down and telling them that you won over and and that you care more about this conversation than them. So we have to agree when you're dating and then especially if you're going to be together for the rest of your lives, you need to agree that every argument is going to be resolved. And if you both move forward with that mindset, it will be powerful. Culture says call the police and just get and just like even if they like poke you call them, they say, hey, even if they take you off, just drive away. Culture gives you horrible ideas how to fight. But we need to fight fair. A couple ideas here is you can't use what the pastor said on Sunday against your spouse, against your girlfriend or boyfriend, right? You can't use name calling against them. And here's the big one that I hear all the time. You cannot bring their past up and use it against them. That's dangerous. And again, that shows me if you do those items or if you do those ideas, then what you're truly doing is trying to win the argument. And it's not worth it. And is that truly showing love to the person you're saying that you love? Again, love is showing action. So are your actions reflecting that you love them? We have to fight fair. It's critical. It's critical to maintain a long-term dating and marriage relationship. And finally, oh, and let's let's actually read Ephesians verse, or chapter 4, verse 26. And that says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And uh, something me and Emma do when we're like ticking each other off, if we if we have something that we need to argue about and it's really like bothering the other person, we actually like try to force the other person to stay up until we get it resolved because of this passage. And we even though see scripture says it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be angry, but it's what you choose to do with that anger. If you choose to name call, if you choose to bring up their past and use it against them, it's your choice what you do with that anger. And if you do that type of stuff, then you are sinning because you're tearing the other person down. So we have to fight fair. If you need to start forcing your spouse to stay up to get it resolved so it doesn't move into the next day, then implement that today. If you're in a dating relationship and you start arguing, call each other rather than text. Hey, are you okay? Question mark. Call each other and talk about it and get the situation resolved. And third, most importantly, how do we maintain a relationship for a lifelong successful one? And that's simply putting Jesus in the middle of our relationship. Putting Jesus in the center of it. Because if you or the other person is in the center of the relationship, then it turns right back to a selfish one. You both have to strive towards Jesus. And as you're striving towards Jesus, you're also growing closer together. And Jesus is in the center. And why is this even important? Why does Jesus need to be in the middle of the relationship? Because he loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. He loved you so much, and you're not willing to give your relationship over. You can give give your job. You can give your sports over to him. You can give everything, but not my relationship. She's hot, and I want to keep her. It doesn't matter if she doesn't follow Jesus. I will change that. No, Jesus needs to be in the center of the relationship. This is critical when you start dating. Because if he's not in the center of the relationship when you're dating, then it's going to be hard to put him in the center of your relationship when you're married. Trust me. So again, what do we need to do? We need to strive. We need to put action. We need to put work into putting Jesus in the center of it. Talking to our our girlfriend, boyfriend of like, hey, do you think you're in the center of it? Do you think I'm in the center of it? Or who do you think is right now? Is Jesus? Is most of our conversations based on the world or are they they based on how we can advance the kingdom? What are our conversations even look like? We need to figure that out. How do we maintain a long-term relationship? We create physical and emotional boundaries right off the bat. We fight fair, and then we make sure Jesus is in the center of it. As we're wrapping it up here, uh, me and Emma were getting ready to date at this point, and uh, she wanted to, or I was planning on asking her to be my girlfriend. So uh, I planned this like scavenger hunt for her to like find, find certain things in the island in Pigeon Forge. And uh, she, she started looking for these different uh, things around the island. And she, what she didn't know is all the words like lined up to spell girlfriend. She didn't put that together till the very end when I told her on the Ferris wheel. And so she went around, she went around and uh, she found all the items. All I was doing, it was just a waste of time, honestly, for, for finding those items because the, real, the, the message was right there the whole time. And after she found all the items, we got on the Ferris wheel and I was like, look, look, see what that actually spells out. And it said girlfriend question mark. And she's like, oh, it's adorable. And, I, and I was, she's like, yes, absolutely. I will be your girlfriend. But before this before all this happened, it was extremely hot that day, extremely hot, and we went, and she's like, hey, could I, she decided to wear jeans on like a 95 day, like 95 degree day, and she's like, hey, could I go, could we stop at like Tanger Outlets and like get a, uh, get like some shorts or get some, like a dress or something I could wear, I was like, absolutely, go for it, and uh, so we, we stop at Pigeon Forge at the Tanger Outlets, and she goes into Old Navy, and she goes back to, like, where everything's on sale, and she picks this dress out, and she said, hey, can I get this? It should only be $14. I'm like, go for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. She gets up to the counter, and they scan it, and the cashier said, hey, that's going to be $45 plus tax. I was like, whoa, that's not close to 14. That's a lot higher. That's a lot higher. And I was like, you know what? I know there's going to be a special moment coming up. I'm going to be asking her to be my girlfriend, and hopefully one day she'll be my wife. And so I was like, go ahead and get it. Let's do it. Let's do it. But I tell you that story because I want to tell you that in a relationship, you can have fun. There's good moments. I know we've talked about so many serious things today, but there's so many good opportunities. So many things you get to experience with each other. But again, if you desire singleness, that's okay too because God has so much in store for you. I want to empower you today if you're single and you desire to be single, that God has plans for you. He gives you, literally scripture explains that you have the opportunity to go share the gospel today as fast as you can. Nothing's holding you back. And even if you're married with kids, you can still go out and share the gospel as well. But you have more responsibility about raising up your spouse and raising up your kids. I want you today, before we leave, to ask you, I want to ask you one question before we leave. What is one action or one decision that you need to make before this day is over? What is one action or one decision that you need to make before today is over? Is that decision maybe like, I need to get rid, I need to get out of this relationship. Jesus is not in the center of it. They don't follow Jesus. I can still share the gospel with them, but that doesn't mean I need to date them. Does it mean like, hey, having some conversations like, we, we haven't even talked about boundaries in our dating relationship. Maybe it's sitting down today and getting involved with each other about what do we do what boundaries do we need to set in order to avoid sin, in order to avoid what God doesn't want us to do? And some of us, it may be a little more intense. It may be telling the person you moved in with, I'd rather obey God than live what the world wants me to do. And that may be moving out today. That may be picking up your stuff and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus because it's worth it. And maybe like down the road, we can, we can get into a relationship, but it's critical that you follow Jesus first. Paul tells us, we need to date somebody who believes in Jesus if we follow Jesus. We need to look at what's on the inside rather than the outside. We need to make sure they know and we need to make sure we know what love truly looks like. It's action, not feeling. And when we finally get into that relationship, we got to create those boundaries, emotional and physical. We have to fight fair, no matter what the argument is, no matter what is brought up. And most importantly, we have to keep Jesus in the center of it. So today, I ask you again, what one decision, what action, what one action do you need to take today in your relationship to move forward and to move closer to what Jesus intends for us to have? Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day that we just get to come together and look into your word and use your principles to combat an idea of dating that culture has created. And we see so much hurt. We know people in this world that are dating right now and are doing it culture's way. And so often they leave scarred, they give themselves emotionally to the other person. And it's so hard to end that relationship. And we see the struggle. But God, I just pray as, as those who may be wanting a relationship, those who desire a relationship today, they take what you say in God's word. They take what you say and implement it into their dating relationship. And God, I pray for those who are single right now, that they take this opportunity to strive closer and build a relationship with you. And if they desire singleness for the rest of their life, God, I just pray that doors may be open, that they can just drop everything and just go fulfill what you want them to fulfill. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. What an amazing challenge from God's Word for all of us. We hope you start putting everything you've learned in this session into practice. Be sure to subscribe to the 3SC podcast so you'll never miss any new content. Thanks for listening.